0: Welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher here with Drew Dinsick. We are recording in the middle of Sunday night football. The Niners are driving to go up two scores uh, at the start of the second quarter. Right now, Drew, big Sunday as always. We'll talk about the main takeaways from the Sunday slate and then look at week six openers and talk a little uh, Packers-Raiders, which is a little... uh, A little bit of a downer of a denouement to the weekend. Uh, Not the most exciting (laughs) game, but what was your biggest takeaway from uh, the afternoon and uh, an early slate?
1: Uh, Well, it was a good weekend for... Uh, us, high five to you and me. Uh, overall, just a very uh, enjoyable day of football. I feel like the quality of the product is starting to get a little bit better, which is a big sigh of relief uh, because we had a couple of offenses that could not score last week. And now at least we're getting competitive. Everyone, at least besides the Patriots, was competitive today, I felt like. Um, you know, even the games that, uh, you know, were, were pretty lopsided, like Dolphins, Giants had a couple of good moments for the Giants. So the games like the Lions, Panthers, Panthers kind of made that one maybe a little closer than an actually was uh, getting their offense going towards the end. But um, I think the you know the key takeaways really have to be uh, AFC playoff seating. Um, huge result in London for the Jaguars. Number one, setting themselves up for pole position in the AFC South while putting a loss on the Bills. Opening the door for the Chiefs, who, if playoffs start today, would be the hosts uh, of the of the uh, sure, old playoff games as the one seat again, same as it ever was. Uh, rinse, repeat. Chiefs, you know, you know, the 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 path to the Super Bowl uh, goes through Arrowhead. Um, looking kind of a little bit in, more in depth at the Chiefs' schedule. Uh, tough for me to say who's gonna ultimately give these guys a true test., uh, this looks like a pretty um, soft, you know, soft division all of a sudden, uh, a lot of soft defenses in this division. Um, and I think uh, you know the the hard fought win and cover that they got against the Vikings, uh, you know, really was not even close to their best performance, but still it didn't matter. Um, I thought uh, uh, that was probably the biggest outcome of the day. I guess you could probably also put, Joe Burrow uh, in the conversation because of his performance specifically kind of shaking off some of the lingering thoughts that that offense was never going to get going and that he was going to need to take some time off. Uh, I mean, I'm not totally sold on it yet because he was still kind of playing around pushing off with his uh, injured calf, but he seems to at least have figured out a way to play uh, a little bit more effectively. And obviously when you have a wide receiver like Jamar Chase to throw to then uh, all of a sudden, things look uh, pretty pretty doggone good for your offense. So, um, you know, ultimately, I thought we had a fair set of results today. Uh, I think for the most part, the sides that got bet all pretty much, you know, what we expected to happen did. Um, and uh, the one kind of weird outlier, squirrely, what in the heck happened? How do you parse this result? It was Baltimore, Pittsburgh. <laughs> uh, Pittsburgh's winning the AFC North right now at 3 2. They are a hot mess. I have no clue how they beat the Baltimore Ravens today. Uh, Ravens pretty much could have clinched that division with the win. Um, they should have won that game. They should have won that probably by margin. They should have had, what, 21 point lead in the first half of that one. And somehow it was 10-3 at halftime. So um, other than that result, I think we had a pretty, uh, pretty true understanding of these teams and, and kind of got a good set of results. Does that seem fair to you?
0: Yeah, it's interesting on, so firstly on Cincinnati, I thought Burrow looked pretty good. He didn't look necessarily, you know, old Joe Burrow, but that's the closest that he's been all season. The fact he had this little 10-yard scamper uh, where he's really tapping his feet and really kind of running at full momentum where that was a good sign that, you know, he might be back also unloaded you know, perfectly that yeah. 63-yard touchdown bomb to Chase, which was another good sign. Chase was out of his mind, 15-192, yeah. three touchdowns. Seems like he has two of those games every year. Mm. With uh, Steelers-Ravens, uh, I think the takeaway there is I don't think either of those teams are very good. I think the <laughs> Ravens are slightly above average, but I don't think they're a uh, <laughs> yeah, super well right. the way they are now. I know yeah. they're going to get some guys back from injury, but they don't look right and then the Steelers are a one and five team, masquerading or one and <laughs> four team, I guess, masquerading. So three and two team. They're What's no their really? one win that you think they earned? The Raiders won. There's <laughs> two guys. I think they okay. probably should have lost that game as well uh, on balance. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, the fact that they pulled out this, this Ravens game, yeah. which was a complete farce, all Lamar Jackson needed <laughs> to do was throw an incomplete pass to Odell Beckham. Uh, and they would have won the game because Kenny Pickett. I mean, I guess he drove down, so maybe he would have drove down to score the game-winning touchdown Mm. uh, regardless. But I think uh, if Lamar just doesn't throw an awful pick there, uh, then the Ravens win. And the fact that the Steelers got that game and then also got the Cleveland game, which they had no business whatsoever (laughs) winning, and needed two defensive (laughs) touchdowns to just squeak out uh, a win at home. Uh, So, yeah, I don't think the Steelers are very good. Uh, I don't think they'll be winning that division. I think that they will finish fourth <laughs> in that division to the worst time. Uh, hey, I hey think, if
1: you want to doubt Mac Tomlin, do it at your own peril. <laughs> I don't understand. Thinking, I don't I get thinking,
0: it. I was thinking about Mike Tomlin, coach of the year, which we talked a lot about in preseason. The thing sure. about that today is they took first place. And I mean... I just I can't see that team getting to 12 wins in any no, scenario, and that's no. what he needs, I think. 11-6 yeah. winning the AFC North isn't going to win coach of the year, but 12-5, and five, uh, he probably needs 13 wins. I just can't imagine that at all. But, I mean, credit to the team. They, they play hard, and, and TJ Watt continues to be a thorn in my side, personally, yeah, to uh, so make the big DPOY statement today. To me, the biggest takeaway yeah. from the day is that Buffalo are missing six starters on defense. Yeah, that's a uh, great call. And I thought that they should have been Super Bowl favorite coming into today. I'm not sure they'd be in my top three after this uh, as George Kittle gets into the end zone again. Uh, Good stuff, MVP Purdy. Uh, I think (laughs) that the Bills are in real trouble because their offense is is obviously it's elite, but it does get stuck in the mud sometimes like it did in the first half today in ways Mm -hmm. that it just doesn't seem to happen for the Chiefs. Uh, and if their right. defense isn't going to be elite, which I think it might be hard for them to be a top three defense, missing Matt Milano, missing Trey White. Uh, I'm not sure what the prognosis on Daquan Jones, but that doesn't help either. These other injuries like Shaq Lawson, Greg Rousseau, uh, Benford, they should be shorter term, but they're really banged up. And the Jags just outplayed them. And I'm sure yeah. that the London travel is a factor there, but I mean, What's your outlook now on the Bills, and do you think the Dolphins are rightfully favored in that division now? Yeah,
1: I well, I really wanted to basically say, ah, you yeah, know, situational spot from help for the Bills. Like, don't really, don't adjust anything. But you're absolutely correct. The losses that they have now sustained on defense matter. Matt Milano matters. Um, it sounds like he's gonna t- probably miss uh, a decent amount of time here. Trey White obviously matters. Uh, I forgot. I mean, <clears throat> key play of the game for the Jags. You had Mike Hyde on Calvin Ridley like that's that's not going to work. <laughs> like, I don't know if that was like an accident or if they were literally just like this is our best bet now because Kyrie Elam keeps getting cooked and uh, you know, Johnson went out down in that game. He's been one of their better cover players. So yeah, the bills the bills injury situation, particularly on the defensive side of the ball is spooky. Um, and, uh, I think that puts a little bit more pressure on the offense and the offense was one dimensional today. They got absolutely nothing out of the run game, the entire kind of way that they were reinventing themselves and going to give themselves more balanced. Look, what we saw against Miami just did not materialize. And I will say that, um, the fact that the Jaguars not only had the traveled advantage on a, in a road game, <laughs> but beyond that, that they had kind of a concentrated week to really prepare. I felt like that came through like they looked well coached they looked like everything that they did in practice and the way that they prepared for the bills teams you know team was you know was was really just completely dialed in i mean Trevor Lawrence probably left 14 points on the field they probably should've scored 40 um you know they definitely had uh, two pretty i thought disadvantageous fumbles one at the end of the first half and then uh you know in the second half as well so you know they could have scored even more i thought that was uh, you know basically the loss doesn't concern me as much for the Bills as uh, just the uh, some of the attrition to the defense. And, you know, I'm probably still going to take them head on against the Dolphins. Um, the Dolphins feel like they're kind of right in the midst of a really, really easy stretch in their schedule. Yeah, <laughs> we touched it. out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the the two touchdown favorites again, Uh and realistically, like the you know the, the the score line, I think was a little flattering for the Giants, kind of being close. Obviously, the pick six was a little fluky. I don't really hold that against Tua, um, but it wasn't uh, a great throw. It wasn't a great throw. He's forcing it, but you know, like that. That's you know that that. Whatever. uh they turn that into a pick 6 was a little uh, <laughs> a little bit fluky, I guess. So um you know they they still have an extremely fast team and good scheme and uh, you know they're going to be a tough uh, a tough out for sure but uh, I would still take the Bills head to head against the Dolphins even with uh, the injuries they've sustained but you know
0: my confidence is shaken sure. Here's the issue with the Bills. These are some of the games they still have on the schedule. It's not At Cincinnati which now looks like it's a problem because Joe Burrow appears to be fixed at the Eagles, at Kansas yeah. City, home Dallas, at Chargers, at Miami. And realistic to get a one seed in all those games, which are all super intimidating, they're going to be dogs in some of those games, others are going to be closer to the pick, they're probably going to have to go 5-1 and one in those right. games to get a one seed, which is insane. And so now the fact that Miami is up a game on them in the division, the Chiefs are up a game on them for the one seed, and the Bills have to play both those teams, and they play both of them on the road which is a problem. Yeah. And so I think that the outlook for this team has totally changed. Like this is a win that they really needed to have. Uh, And they didn't really, I mean, they came close in a way because it was close late, but that, on balance of play, the Jags won that game comfortably. Uh, In terms of other games on the slate, we don't need to talk yeah. about much about Detroit, Carolina, Tennessee, Indianapolis, nah, Giants, Miami, we largely covered Houston Atlanta was a strange game uh, overall. Mm-hmm. It's, by far the best Desmond Ritter has ever looked I think and the fact oh, that yeah. he can get to that level uh and you know uh for lack of a better term that he can service Drake London and Kyle Pitts uh I think that kind of changes the outlook for the uh the NFC South a little bit the Saints very impressive uh as well the Panthers are right off and the bucks were on by uh but CJ Stroud on the other side just continues to look you know like a rock solid oh, yeah. Average NFL quarterback, which is a huge rarity for a rookie. Uh, I don't know why they ran the ball so much, uh, but Stroud, he looked the part. Uh, any takeaways from that, game?
1: I agree with all your takes. Uh, the only thing I can kind of continue to point out, no sacks again for yeah, the Houston absolutely. Texans. They are their sack avoidance is like otherworldly. Uh, this is a unit. This the offensive line is just decimated, and it does not matter. It's incredible what they're doing, uh, and in terms of kind of keeping uh, keeping their quarterback upright, and that's had had a huge huge factor. CJ Stroud did win uh, a go ahead drive, which was super impressive, but. Uh, The main takeaway, I think, is Ritter does have signs of life. He saved his job, certainly. I mean, I don't think there's any realistic chance now that uh, he has enough consecutive negative performances that they go away from him. I think they're going to let him ride out the season. Uh, And I think uh, I like Ritter at home. (laughs) <laughs> a lot better than I like him on the road, and I think uh, you know if you're kind of a rubric of am I going to bet the Falcons this week? You uh, number one, you you know this, the market entry was important this like last week because it it kissed pick uh, and it ended up hitting squarely in the middle with the two point win, um, and uh, you know if you got in at the right time, you got a winner. If you did not, you are uh, you know you're you're stuck uh, you know wishing that there was you know one more point scored. But um, all uh, all told, uh, I think. Atlanta will be an interesting kind of – nobody in the market did not really have a huge appetite for them on the road and uh, probably will be bet at home.
0: Yeah, they're a strange, very underwhelming team uh, overall. Yeah. Uh, before we get to some of the other games and look ahead to week six, a reminder, Bill's Mafia will be out in full force this Sunday night when Josh Allen and company take on Daniel Jones and the Giants. In Buffalo, coverage of the game starts at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on NBC and Peacock. I look forward to our NBC colleagues cooking up a marketing campaign for that one. <laughs> I uh, have opened 14.5-point hey. favorites. Yes. Last game I want to quickly touch on. Sure. Uh, Kansas City, Minnesota. Justin Jefferson looks like he's pulled his hamstring. It looks like he's going yeah. to miss some time, which – Upends the offensive player of the year, market a little bit. We'll probably talk about that during the week. It's now, for me anyway, it's McCaffrey and Tyree Hill and then a, a significant drop-off after that. But I think the main takeaway here, for just from a betting perspective, is that Patrick Mahomes should just be plus 200 to win MVP. Uh, he was masterful again. Uh, again, just cooking the Vikings. Didn't have Travis Kelsey for a section. The way that he iced the game, which just vintage Mahomes. Yep. I still think he is a, you know, it's not saying much, but I think he's an outlier, just a clear tier one quarterback by himself, Uh, and now his team standing is starting to kind of reflect that. Uh So I think that he should just be the clear favorite for this award, Drew, we talked about it earlier in the week, but with the Chiefs, their schedule upcoming, I mean Denver in prime time, Thursday night, home charges at Broncos. Uh after this stretch, I think Mahomes is just gonna be plus one fifty in the market and this is your this is your last chance.
1: Yeah. We are in lockstep there. Um the uh yeah that. The- <laughs> the the fact that Josh Allen gets back to back here against the Giants and the Patriots is a little concerning um but just in general his propensity to turn the ball over and the fact that Mahomes I have a tough time seeing uh you know how they fall out of the uh you know what what will likely be a stronghold on the one seed uh and with that with that potential um you know feather in his cap then he's going to be the you know very very tough case to beat
0: Yep, indeed, and we'll talk about that and uh, other awards markets through the weeks. Through the week, let's talk about uh, the openers for these upcoming weeks. Six games, mm-hmm. Thursday night game, Chiefs minus ten at the Broncos. I think that might get bigger if anything. The Ravens uh, at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, three and a half point favorites against Tennessee Falcons. Two and a half point favorites against Emmanuel Forbes and the Commanders. The Vikings four point favorites at the Bears. Bengals minus 2.5 home to Seattle, 49ers minus 3 at Cleveland. That might go up if this continues. It's 14-0 as we speak in Sunlight Football. Saints minus 2.5 for the Texans, Jags minus 4 home to Indianapolis. I would expect that's going to be Gardner Minshew based on the AC joint sprain for Anthony Richardson. And then the Dolphins, uh, minus 14 uh, against the Panthers. I'm not sure many people are going to be taking the plus 14 there. I think that can get bigger as well. What uh, what stands out to you uh, off of those games?
1: Yeah, so a couple of things pop as you look at the numbers and you're like, whoa, what, huh? Uh, And almost kind of without question, the common thread is some of these are, there's a pretty decent uh, shade uh, in favor of teams coming off of the bye. Uh, there are four teams coming off of the bye this week. Seattle, uh, who again, like you know, you see Cincinnati at home under a field goal and you're what? Uh, but yeah, Seattle will have extra rest and prep there. Um, uh, the uh, Niners are taking on a Cleveland team coming off of uh, the bye. And that's actually kind of an interesting spot. Very excited to see if that maybe reopens at three and a half, if the Niners. Uh, really take care of business here in the second half of this game. Um, but, uh, you know, the obviously the health of Deshaun Watson is a huge question to be answered. Um, the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, three-point dogs coming off of the buy at home. Uh, and the uh, L. A. Chargers will host uh, the, the uh, Dallas Cowboys uh, as well uh, with extra rest and extra time, and Kellen Moore's uh, opportunity to um, you know reacquaint himself with the Dallas Cowboys. So, uh, kind of a fun week of games, top to bottom here. Um, you know, the I do think it's going to be easy for some marketing of Giants. Uh, bills, given that uh, coach reigning coach of the year Brian Dable uh, is taking on his former <laughs> his former program, uh, his former protege and Josh Allen and uh, and Ken Dorsey. Um, that's about that. all the juice I can come up with, though. Um, but uh, yeah, I think uh, you know the the again the Falcons may be a bet on under three at home. Uh, Washington's defense certainly looks hugely problematic coming off of like, conceding forty uh, to the uh, Chicago Bears. Um, Baltimore and Pittsburgh are probably both fades for me. This or the, and I guess Pittsburgh is going on by. Excuse me, but uh, but Baltimore uh, is a rough rough spot to have that physical of a game and then have to turn around and travel internationally. Uh, I'm really be looking pretty carefully for notes and information about when they leave relative to Tennessee and how they're preparing for that particular game because travel uh, disparity could matter a ton in favor of taking a, a plus four with Tennessee. Uh, and then, um, you know, certainly what in the world do you do with uh, the New England Patriots here? I know that that's a soft market right now because, you know, we still have to talk about Raiders and Packers week four. And, you know, that, the injuries and performance could uh, shape how that ends up looking. But boy, oh boy, um, there's very, very little to take away from the Patriots in a positive sense. And, um, you know, this team now that's coming off to con- like very, uh, c- c- uh, you know, non-competitive games really uh which is uncharacteristic of belichick and company and uh really don't know how you fix uh, what you have going on with mac jones right now so um that i'm most interested to see uh how some of these markets are shaped uh, after the rest of these uh, week four results are in the books
0: yeah i mean it kind of feels like at the moment the three worst teams in football are the panthers the giants and the patriots and the Cardinals may be kind of falling back into, into that group and, and the Bears may have left it just with the upside that that Fields field has shown in past, the past couple of weeks. To me, the two that stand out, well, really the one that stands out is I think the Bengals should be at least a field goal favorite home to Seattle. And I understand the rest component and I think for rest is hard to kind of visualize in your mind how that plays out on the field but if you want help visualizing it just watch the first 5 or 6 drives that Buffalo had uh against Jacksonville where they had to travel <laughs> this week and the Jags didn't uh and I think that that had to have contributed a little bit because they played like they were jet lagged and the Seahawks will probably play with a bit more energy than Cincinnati because they didn't have to play football this week. But at the same time, even saying that, I think it's it was pertinent how much Seattle struggled on offense against the Giants in sure. that Monday night game and they didn't look. Great at all. And the best drive was really orchestrated by Drew Locke. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they won that game on defense. And now they're going to go up against, you know, a real uh, offensive line and a real quarterback and real weapons. Uh, And we'll see how this Seattle defense is able to hold up. Uh, Just quickly, the later games Lions minus three at the Bucs, Raiders minus three home to the Patriots, Rams minus six home to the Cards, Eagles minus six and a half. At Zach Wilson and the Bills, 14.5-point favorites, home to the Giants. And then the Cowboys, 2.5-point favorites at the Chargers. The Packers and the Steelers are the only two teams on bye in Week 6. Uh, anything jump out out of those later games? Yeah,
1: interesting spot for Philadelphia. Philadelphia obviously had to travel west. Um, they played, I thought, of one of the more impressive halves of football we've seen from them this season in the second half today against the Rams. Um, you probably, I mean, I was kind of sweating that one. I felt like way later than I should have, because they left a ton of points on the field. Um, but Jalen Hurts looks, looked amazing. Um, I don't think he, I think he has a little bit too much ground to make up to really kind of put himself into the MVP race. Although he's definitely going to be in that tier of quarterbacks when it's all said and done, if the uh, Eagles continue to win um uh, but this is a tough turnaround where you're going again you're on the road again you're in New York you're against a a defense that has given every you know good offense they've faced this year a very very tough time um, and, uh, you know, I think the fact that that is under a touchdown on the road is, is interesting to me, but, um, certainly Philadelphia's offense is starting to find its form and, uh, I'm excited to see how that carries on. I think you put Arizona in the right tier of sort of the bottom, uh, in terms of team rating, uh, particularly as unimpressive as their defense was today. Um, and. It's going to be a tough test against the Rams because they don't have enough difference makers on the D-line to get after Stafford. And if Stafford has time, he is unbelievably effective. This group of weapons he has now is scary. Uh, and I think the Rams offense is going to be capable uh, of scoring uh, you know, pretty aggressively in that one. They've already moved out a little bit from four and a half on the open to six. And I think that's directionally correct. And I would expect uh, you know, those two games, Rams and Philly, may flirt with seven before we get to the uh, kickoff.
0: Yeah. Just the last thing I'll add on these games is I feel worse about the Jets uh, today than I did 24 hours ago, even though they get a double-digit win in Denver uh, as two-and-a-half-point underdogs. Just the fact that Zach Wilson went back to looking like bad Zach Wilson a week after he was you know, very competent against Kansas City. And he was terrible against Denver again. Uh, he didn't cost them the game, but took four sacks, threw a pick, no touchdowns, 19 to 26, 199 yards. He added a little bit on the ground, but he looked like old Zach Wilson. If, and if that's the guy they're getting every week, then you know this team isn't isn't doing anything uh, in the AFC East with the game still yeah. on their schedule. Brees Hall, though, looked, he looked 100% back. It's funny to compare just just how he ran on his super long, what, 80-yard run in week one against Buffalo and then how he ran on the 72-yard touchdown today. Uh, And without being, you know, someone who studies uh, scientifically a person's gait, uh, he looked a lot smoother on this run and he just had so much more burst. And, you know, 22 for 177 on a touchdown, he might just be the best running back in football going forward. Um, And he's certainly got that talent, but he'll need... Zach Wilson to be competent enough to give him a little bit of room.
1: I don't know, man. Um, he's he's got a fight on his hands with Devontae 10 Oh my goodness gracious! The speed he had on his game breaker. He's just going to break an 80-yard touchdown every week,
0: I guess. Like we should just get used to it. Like man, oh man. He's the weirdest player to just kind of handicap uh, with everything, be it in awards markets. Be it uh, sure. just week to week, where he said his rushing prop because he's, he's going to get like 11 or 12 carries a game because they're not going to shut most of it out. And I don't think Achan Han is the type of guy who you just give 21 carries. No. But he's the fastest person I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> uh, and it's like he glides through these holes. I don't know. It's like watching a different sport. Watching Achan reminds me of when uh, Colin Kaepernick ran for like 181 yards in Lambeau in that playoff oh, sure. game. Was fun. Like, what is this sport? Like, Usually, <laughs> like, it's like a different phenomenon. And then it's the same deal with A-Chan. Uh, he comes yeah. with a bit more grace than Kaepernick's very upright, <laughs> darting style. Yeah. But uh, no, A-Chan is, uh, he is magnificent. Uh, and yeah. I don't really know how to attack him uh, in terms yeah. of different markers. but we'll talk about that through yeah. the week. No, right.
1: I like your commentary on the Jets, though, in general, and Zach Wilson. I mean, he almost gave the game away today. <laughs> that interception he threw in the fourth quarter was awful. And I I, I don't even know. And it was was so funny is that they just really weren't like asking him to do anything. And then he's still like why ask him then? And sure enough, that was the result. It was it was uh, not an inspiring performance for him. And uh, thirty one points was flattering. Where you know the defense and special teams really came through with a uh, you know a pretty impressive day for the Jets.
0: Yeah, sack is not very good at the moment. All right, a reminder that Bet the Edge isn't the only show every weekday during the football season. You can also check out the Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Barry, Connor Rogers, and myself. It airs live on Peacock at noon. Free airs at 4 p.m. and it's available on our NFL and NBC Sports YouTube channel as well as uh, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, we weave a lot of betting in there. Connor, Lawrence, Jackson, and myself on our best bets on that show are like 16 and one or something, uh, which is obviously going to regress, but uh, doing well. It's all mostly player prop based, which uh, obviously you can pick the eyes out a little bit more than. NFL lines and totals, but sometimes we go that way and uh, we've been running good lately, so tune nice. in. Raiders, one-and-a-half-point favourites home to the Packers. The total is 45-and-a-half. And the injury report is just littered with big names. J.R. Alexander, Aaron Jones, questionable. Devontae Adams, questionable. Uh, what's your breakdown of this one?
1: Yeah, we you, you said it. Uh, so, so the <coughs> these, these teams are... I guess up between the two of them, um, I I have more concerns about the Raiders injuries just because they're they're a thinner team. They don't really have a ton of uh, options in terms of backfilling. Um, and yeah, you know, like it, even beyond just uh, the guys who we know are going to be out, uh, it's tough to say. You know, is Jimmy G at a point where he's gotten enough? Um, you know enough reps back under his, his belt that he's going to be uh, you know the kind of high efficiency version we saw in the first couple of weeks or is he going to be more like what we saw against Pittsburgh which was less impressive and so um, with Devontae Adams potentially either limited or unavailable I think that uh, has me pretty uninterested in backing anything positive with the Raiders because the Raiders defense I think can still get exposed even though uh, Aaron Jones is dealing with the hamstring and is questionable and uh, and just in general um. Jordan Love might not be good, <laughs> but uh, I do think that in you know the, the Packers probably have a little bit more upside in here than I think they have more upside than the market does. I would have made this game about around to pick them uh, and that's mostly just because outside of Max Crosby, I'm, I'm pretty down on this Raiders defense and um, Packers have youth. Uh, they have an offensive line that can deal with Crosby, I think. Uh, so, Jordan Love, unless he like literally, you know, makes the game breaking mistakes in this one, I think is going to have an opportunity to get the win. I didn't bet this game mostly because of the uncertainty around uh, the injuries. J- 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 if if J- Air Alexander is not playing and Devontae Adams is, all of a sudden I feel pretty uh, silly having any kind of stake in the Packers. So, that's kind of where I'm on the sidelines.
0: Yeah. I feel like the right is a very. Already- kind of known commodity at this point if if they're healthy, which is they're, a, you know, one, one and a half points worse than the average team on neutral, that type of range, I think, where the offense is going to be competent enough because Jimmy and Devante Adams and Jacoby Myers give you a certain floor, mm-hmm. And then on defense, it's going to be Max Crosby and pray for rain. Uh, there's just <laughs> nothing else there. Uh, And that's just kind of what the team is. It'll be a functional offense and a bad defense. On the other hand, I have no idea what to make of this Packers team. Uh, I guess they're the second best team in their division and the biggest threat to the Lions, which is probably another way of saying that uh, the Lions still value for the NFC North because I can't really see uh, how they're going to lose that uh, so long as health is decent. And whenever there's a team as perplexing as the Packers, it generally starts with the quarterback. And I have, still have no idea if Jordan Love is good or not. I think he's very high variance in a good way in that he has a lot of upside and he has plays where he looks like an all-pro quarterback. And when he's running, the way that he basically beat the Saints with his legs, mm-hmm. and he does you know, have all the athletic traits that you'd want. But then again, he just makes mind-numbing decisions. Yeah. Uh, one of the picks against Detroit in particular, was terrible. And I think right now, he's probably a slightly below-average quarterback, but he does have upside. And the thing with him is that he seems to have a really good rapport with Romeo Dobbs, who quietly has been excellent this season and is getting absolutely peppered with targets. And Christian Watson, who was a monster down the second half of last season, just hasn't... I mean, he played against Detroit, but he was on a pitch count. He wasn't himself. Uh, And so if he gets Watson back have to full go and it's still got Romeo Dobbs and the offensive line can get a little bit more continuity now that Bakhtiari's confirmed out, then the offense might have something cooking if Jordan Love can hit you know, his upside. And then on Correct. the defense, Jay Alexander, can't say his name either, uh, <laughs> when he comes back be it tomorrow uh, or next week presumably, or the week after because they're on by, then all of a sudden I think the defense is pretty competent. Because Rashawn Gary quietly coming off the ACL has been an absolute monster. He's the sixth best edge rusher by PFF grade. He is back to you know the fullest conception of Rashawn Gary. So I guess this team kind of grades out to probably a slightly below average offense on av- when everyone's full going and average type of defense. Is that does that seem fair?
1: It does. Uh, I will say that I still do have issues with how other teams have gotten really physical with them and just really just kind of push their their relatively um you know questionable tackling secondary uh off you know off the ball. Devondre Campbell being out ma- matters there. Uh and I think this could potentially be a pretty important Josh Jacobs game. Josh Jacobs is starting to come into his own in terms of just looking a little fit. Uh and the offensive line for the Raiders is at full strength. So Um, I would expect that that's the direction that they pivot or lean offensively. And then the defensive, you know, question mark for, uh, for the Raiders. I mean, the secondary is so bad, like, and they're hurt. (laughs) Like this, if Jordan love, this is a little bit of a prove it game for him. If he doesn't look good, if he is not effective through the air, then I think you can kind of put it in, in pen in like the low twenties. So.
0: Yeah, This is quietly, uh, I mean, it doesn't feel like a very significant game because these two teams aren't contenders, but it's a pretty significant game for the complexion of the NFC North because if the Packers lose this game, uh, yeah. which is a game they really need to have, then it just becomes a cakewalk for the Lions because you've got the Vikings who are one and four with Jefferson likely on the shelf and the Vikings are going to play the Niners in a couple of weeks. Uh, And then you've got a Chicago team that's not in contention. And so the Packers are the only team that's left. Uh, And if they lose this, then all of a sudden they're, what, two and three and Detroit have the tiebreak over them anyway and the return leg is in Detroit. It's division close to over so long as Detroit keeps a semblance of health. Uh, So uh, I think that, yeah, it'll be pretty much curtains for that division if the Packers lose. All right. We can wrap it up now. Don't forget to check out mbcsports.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks to those watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. If you're listening to us in podcast form, don't forget to rate and subscribe. Also a reminder to find all your favorite NBC Sports shows on Amazon Music, just head to amazon.com slash sports. from Jay Croucher, Drew Dinsick and Brock Purdy's rising MVP campaign. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>